0: swimmers, and welcome to another episode of Torpedo Swim Talk podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Sperling, and each week we chat to a swimmer from around the world about their swimming journey. Today is our 100th episode, and we are joined on the podcast by one of the loveliest guys in swimming, dual Olympic gold medalist, Michael Klim. Michael and I chatted about his storied swim career which includes two Olympic gold medals, seven world championship golds, and 27 world records, just to name a few. We chatted also about his training under Gennady Toretsky, swimming alongside Alex Popov, and his glorious moment in the sun at the 1998 World Championships in Perth. Now as a business entrepreneur, he explains why he's gone back to his swimming roots in this very candid chat. Let's hear from Michael now. There you go, Bob. Hi, Michael. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's my pleasure. I'm so delighted that we've been able to get a time to really talk about your swimming. So I'm very grateful that you've given up your time.
1: My pleasure, my pleasure. I know it's been a long time coming and I'm, yeah, looking forward to uh, having a chat with you and, and hopefully sharing So my wisdom with your your
0: followers. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, you're one of Australia's most celebrated swimmers and you're very well known and loved for being part of that iconic relay at Sydney Olympics, the four by one men's relay where you won the gold medal. I wanted to play you a little sound grab and then get some thoughts of yours afterwards. Sure, (laughs) no problem. Michael Clem going first for Australia. Sweden in one, Brazil in two, Germany in three, the USA in four, Urban, Walker, Lizak, Gary Hall Jr., Australia in five, Italy six, Russia in seven, France in eight, and Michael Klim is going out hard. Michael Klim, the early leader, is out by about half a body length already. Urban trying to go with him, the American speedster, as they come down to complete the opening fifty. He is on world record pace, 22.83. World record pace is 22.33. Michael Klim is going for it. You want a message? Here's one. Michael Klim still in front. The margin, half a body length. The Americans back in second place. Irvin would be second. Coming on, Italy would be third. But look at Michael Klim. Powering down to the wall. Chris Feidler in next for the Australians. Check that time. 48 one Michael Klim... Klim. Has just broken the world record 48.18. The world record is 48.21. What a magnificent start for the Australians! <laughs> what a great night that was! <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, look, it uh, yeah, it certainly um doesn't get, get old when you you know when you listen to that. It was a yeah, certainly a special moment for me personally and for the team, and yeah, so uh. Uh, it, it's quite funny because I think people really not only remember watching it, but remember the commentary. I, uh, you know, I'd be walking down the streets of Sydney and and um, and sometimes I hear this person, hey, Klimi, you want a message? <laughs> 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 Here's one. <laughs> so like just random bits from the commentary, you know, like and, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, and it, and people come up to me and say, I was at a pub in Boccon and watching it on telly or um and even people from overseas obviously there was such a great rivalry between two countries that you know every the whole swimming world was watching so um yeah like i'm yeah it's certainly one of my my most favorite moments
0: it was such a it was the first night of the olympics a home olympics and obviously after that swim the euphoria you felt must have been high how did you sort of bring yourself down to concentrate on the rest of your events for the program
1: yeah, to be honest, I, I struggled with that. I, you know, we had a very successful four by two. We actually broke the world record by over three seconds in that. And you know, pretty much with uh, you know with, with Thorpey leading, we pretty much had the lead from the from the gun. And then uh, and then yeah, it took, it took me a while. I didn't have a great hundred free. Got you know got fourth by a over of a second to Gary Hall with with Alex in front there, and then Peter in front in front of. Um, of Alex so it was such a tight finish in 103 and and that's that those those kind of nervous energy I think that I spent in those first couple of days in those relay events and uh a- again I wouldn't never never swap the two but it was certainly you know I spent a lot of bickies when it came to to kind of emotional energy and stress and sort of getting myself up to and then that crowd was just phenomenal and I think I didn't handle it all that well i managed to get you know to sort of turn things around a little bit towards the butterfly and then and the medley relay towards the end but it um yeah it was a great lesson i, I managed it really well the world championships in 98 without the semis i think the t- introduction of the semi-finals made it really hard to do multiple events and um yeah i think it you know like morning to night swims compared to heat semis and finals it's a whole different kettle of fish.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, obviously, the Sydney Olympics was before social media and that kind of thing. But how insulated <laughs> were you in the village in Sydney? Like, did you get to read the papers or did you see what was happening out in the media?
1: Well, look, there was um, because we're in the, you know, the, in the Australian hub, there was like, a I guess, a filtered um, media kind of board that, um, you know, obviously that relay was on the front cover of every paper and it was more actually in the lead up to the games before we got into the village when we were in a staging camp and you know when gary hall arrived in in australia and you know there was a couple of those comments that were taken out of context and that was that's when the, you know the, all the hype started when we were in the staging camp in melbourne so i do vividly remember opening a hotel door hotel room door and um seeing the paper with with gary hall's face on it and um on the front page and guitars and stuff so that was but it's it's yeah i mean i look back at it now it's 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 just a classic you know media hype up to get you know to get <laughs> interest and in. um and the most ironic thing is that most people i hope they they know now that gary's actually one of my best friends you know like I, <laughs> I go and hang out with him and we've done clinics together he's um you know he's actually going to be on one, on the board of my foundation which is launching soon so um, through being rivals in the pool, we've, we've managed to become really close friends as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's he's a lovely guy. I've actually interviewed his dad. He's been a podcast guest. Oh, wow. Gary Hall Sr. Okay, and amazing. Yeah, he, he had lovely things to say about you and also Gary, of course. But, yeah.
1: Oh, that's nice. Great family, nice.
0: the Hall family. <laughs> I'm glad you yeah. mentioned 1998 because I wanted to to touch on those world champs in Perth. It was a, a standout meet for, for you. Winning the two hundred free, the hundred fly, second in the hundred free, and bronze in the fifty free, and then three relay medals—it was really your meet in the sun. How? How did? What was the lead up to that like? And and why was that meet such a big meet for you?
1: Look, I—I I guess it was—I don't know how to put it into words, but I had a there's a pretty big in my mind a big disappointment in Atlanta where I went into the two hundred freestyle ranked number one in the world I won the trials pretty comfortably and I thought I was you know I was still you know I was only 18 I thought I was going to just continue my progression and get faster at the games and collect gold come home (laughs) (laughs) Um, unfortunately things don't go to plan and they don't always go to plan at the Olympic Games you know you have to be ready for the unexpected and you know I still in my mind I wasn't mature enough to handle the the unpredictable nature and the energy of the olympics and, and i mean by that the the kind of the, the energy that surrounds the event and um you know just the, almost the pace and if you allow the pace of the games and the pressure and everything to get to you it can derail you very quickly and the 203 being on the first day i didn't have time to settle into the meet and you know my my morning swim for the 203 was you know it wasn't great at all it was about a you know, it was close to a second off my best, or probably point eight off my best. But at that stand, at that level, point eight off your best meant I finished ninth and missed the final. So, um so my 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 goal of winning gold was shattered within you know in the first session of the Olympics. Nice. So um yeah, so like within that at that time of in August of ninety or August of ninety six, I basically after that I sit down with Gennady, Um and we said, well, how did we fail? You know, obviously my men- my mental toughness wasn't really up to scratch to compete against, you know, the likes of the Pancratovs and Daniel Loder was the-, the leading freestyler at the time, and um, and then also my technique didn't hold up under pressure. So we started experimenting a lot with the different strokes and drills and sprint drills and. Um, and then physically, I was still, you know, quite immature and didn't have that sort of physical toughness, I think. And and I wasn't really using my athleticism, which I kind of had from my, my years growing up of playing tennis and basketball and a bunch of water polo. And, and I felt that there was definitely a different stroke for me rather than trying to emulate Alex Popov, who was my training mate. And you know everyone's you know I guess idle and I you know everyone wanted to swim like that but not everyone's six foot eight with a wing span of six foot nine and also with freakish you know freakish feel for the water and not many people can you know go 23 seconds you know going out with 28 strokes that is that's what that was the standard he was setting and I got to watch him and he was so methodical and um, and I tried to emulate him, but it just wasn't me. So we adopted, so we adopted the strategy of, okay, to overcome the mental kind of weakness that I had was we're going to race as much as I possibly can. So I, i pretty much raced from the Lake Burley Griffin meet to the Pampax to the Marin Ostrom to, uh, I did the, the whole Santa Clara kind of, you know, west coast of the U S meets traveled, uh, traveled everywhere. It was actually an amazing year, but. Um, and especially, you know, racing throughout the European summer. And I did, I think 150 races in a, in a, in a calendar year. So, um, so by the end, like racing was just, uh, whatever. So that's, you know, and I, but, but I still approached every single race with the same kind of mindset of attacking it, you know, executing it well, or sometimes we're playing around with different uh, strategies, potentially going out faster, or, you know, I remember there was one race and in um in actually in Cannes in 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 france that that, um you know we really wanted to sort of go out really slow and bring it home there was a there was a tailwind coming back and it was on the french coast and he said well let's just bring your heads up higher and try and catch you know (laughs) Gennady was really funny funny at that those sort of things so we you would really sort of um you know play around and experiment and um so did, did 150 races changed my stroke went from a bent arm recovery to that straight arm kind of uh more rhythmic and dynamic stroke and then and the other last thing I would say that we had a, a great sort of relationship with speedo at the time and working with that suit development and you know I was I was lucky enough to have the suits designed to my fit and how I wanted them and that was you know that was I mean even at that point, I didn't get a chance to race in the suits in 98 yet, but it was, you know, it, it started, you know, i started working on my stroke towards that sort of, um, so sort of when the suits were available. But as you can see, you know, I had a much better rhythm. I was much bit more solid than the last 15 metres. So, um, yeah, so it definitely, it, and it's amazing. So when I, I talk to a lot of youngsters and even senior swimmers, you can have a, such a huge disappointment where so much is riding on it. And then within, you know, I broke the world record at the world championship trials in 100 and a hundred butterfly and, which I wasn't really training for. So, uh, so that was probably, you know, what, 14 months later. So, um, it can, you know, it can really, uh, it can turn around really quickly.
0: Absolutely. I mean, do you look back at that time now? And, and I mean, I suppose when you live through it, you don't recognize that that is such a special comp, do you look back at it now and think that that's really one of the best times you've ever swum?
1: Oh, definitely. I was pretty, there was definitely one morning. It was probably only one morning that I was a little, felt a little bit off, (laughs) which was the heat to the hundred fly. And then I I only qualified in lane six and, and I managed to, you know, just get back into gear at at night, but I kind of felt almost a little bit, you know, without sounding too cocky, but I felt like I was invincible. I was kind of like, I won that, that 200 that I didn't win in, in Atlanta. I won that first night and after that was all smooth sailing so you know I managed to push Alex to a you know to a to a good 100 free battle which sort of was only point two between us there and then um obviously that we you know and probably the last event which was the medley relay winning that in in front of the home crowd again um and you know it was actually Neil Brooks who, who called it. Uh, you know, three quarters into the backstroke, said, "Oh, Australia's going to win this." And I've, I've watched this commentary, and so that was a pretty bold statement. But we end up, uh, you know, Chris and Phil Rogers, and Matt Welsh, and myself it was just, uh, yeah, it was just a, that was a that was also a special moment.
0: That was a great relay, really, really exciting. <laughs> yeah, and I know you trained yeah. alongside. <laughs> oh, sorry. You trained alongside Alex no, Popov. you go ahead. <laughs> trained alongside mm-hmm. Alex Popov as a training partner, and then racing against him. How did how did you sort of deal with that that dynamic?
1: Look, a- Alex was very calculated and very measured. I think he had a, a very high sporting intellect. So I, I don't think he really let on uh, to anyone, you know, what his knowledge actually was, and it was only a and we had a really we had a very good professional relationship and we obviously when i say professional sporting professional relationship and um you know we worked together we you know we helped each other in training and um so but when it obviously you know when it came to racing he knew exactly what my weak points were i tried to find one, <laughs> that one in him but um <laughs> so he look he was definitely um it did respect me more after the World Championships in in Perth and you know being a more of a contender and being being a younger kid and and still being sort of green. I think there was I had to earn my stripes with with Alex and um, and there was kind of I got myself to a level where I you know we were we were definitely training partners. We were you know I remember training in the Richard Ord Cotton Tree and doing our massive miles with with Gennady and Matt Dunn and. It was um it was a special time, you know, and also going to Threadbow and doing our we used to really isolate ourselves and do those those heavy weeks and months um without sort of any any eyeballs really. And so, you know, there's probably only four of us going through the grind, which those and they're the times that people most people don't really know about.
0: What well, what's one of those hard sets from that time? So it's sort of like round the threadbow time.
1: Uh, I think we're in we're like a 400 at, at aerobic threshold so heart rate say 140 to 160 so I would try and hold say between four thirty and four forty, and have about 40 seconds rest and do 100 at MVO 2 so under a minute um and we we had to do that between 8 to 10 times so that was pretty pretty content and it was just big blocks of just you know like fairly like kind of um, mobilization almost like so it wasn't really and it was all with with the right stroke count and you know like muscular kind of um memory and building on those sort of things so um yeah I, I, and then just even doing the just a grind we used to just practice so much pace work one after another and um but everything had its purpose so there was hardly any sort of wasted laps um with Gennady we used to cut a little bit but um, that, that, but, but if we found out at the end that he actually budgeted for those, for the budget cutbacks that we, that we actually implemented. So, um, he ended up getting what he wanted anyway.
0: <laughs> he was such a technician, Gennady. Did he do many drills with you within the session?
1: Oh, absolutely. And, and Gennady was probably one of I mean, I think there are coaches like that now, but he was, had the ability to really have a completely different set of eyes for every athlete. So he would look at the individual, uh, you know, for, you know, what they stand for their physical ability, their learning, you know, um, progress, how they can accept information, how they, you know, physically, how they can then translate that into the pool. so um he would speak completely different to me compared to matt dunn and to alex popov it was like you know not that his personality changed but his his approach to us would change you know he knew exactly what would make us tick and you know so um and then he had that scientific mindset of you know every like he would and and because i was pretty analytical as well we we work well together, and working on those sort of the biomechanics and the physics physics aspect of the sport.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. He, yeah, he has. I'm, I never met him personally, but I, his reputation preceded him around Australia <laughs> at the time.
1: <laughs> he had a bunch of bunch of funny stories. Yeah. Now, look, he, he was definitely a character, and I think you know Don Talbot, who's I guess every, um, a visionary in a sense because he was. You know, he was responsible for bringing him to Australia, bringing Alex and, you know, and, and with that was this whole, you know, got me up to a certain level, which then, you know, pulled Chris Fadler from a low forty forty nine 49 to a 40, you know, mid 48 and then, you know, Thorpey as well and, and the likes of Todd Pearson and Adam Pine, who also were at the Institute of Sport, started swimming in, in 49. So we had... um. Yes, I think his, you know, importing him as a coach and then being a national coach was a very smart move by by Don Talbot, and then obviously, uh, um, and then Gennady's, Gennady's knowledge was invaluable.
0: What's your funniest Gennady story?
1: Oh, I can't really probably disclose that. I'm here. Uh, oh. yeah.
0: No, I, I, like it was
1: probably when I, I remember this actually, and this is okay, and everyone everyone probably remembers that Gennady would like to. Like being being Russian, they like to celebrate and um and you know occasionally have a vodka or two. But um I, we're in Monte Carlo and and Alex had just broken the world record in the in the hundred free. He broke Matt Beyondi's world record when forty eight two one. Um and we're all you know, we're I was actually in that race, I was in lane eight. <laughs> Didn't get to see it. I had to watch <laughs> I had to watch the replay to watch, to to see the great swim, but um the next day we all get get to pull back the Aussie Aussie team is there and but there's you know Alex is there you know the new order record could hold it but there's <laughs> there's no coach there's no Gennady so we're waiting we're waiting so and then Gennady kind of stumbles in and you know not not looking 100% and and we all started giggling ears. I know why you're laughing. You're laughing because I'm still alive.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> so
1: it was like he had a he had a pretty yeah he had a good sense of humour and um but uh, yeah I think and everyone oh at, by the end we knew what to expect from him it was the unexpected was what Gennady was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he sounds like such a character. Yeah. <laughs> the highlights from your amazing career, are, um, just among a few: two Olympic gold medals, seven World Championship long course gold medals, 21 world records, three three times breaking the 100 fly record. And because of that, you recently got inducted into the International Swimming Hall of Fame. What was that experience like in Florida? And tell us a little bit how that all came to be.
1: Yeah, look, it was, it was a little bit surreal, actually, because um, I knew I, I got inducted a couple of years prior, but because of COVID, I wasn't able to go. And then but then going you know going with my my mum and dad and my partner there was was really special but you look out into the crowd and then you've got mary tima you've got greg so you've got grouty Gaines, you know matthew mitchum i think you know majority of the rooms you know, over you know is either an olympian or olympic gold medalist or a, a previous world record holder already in the duck inductee so and then with an acceptance speech at that event i don't know what you you know you can say the thank yous but it's very hard to say anything profound that's, that these guys don't know about or they can learn from you so it was um it was a very humbling moment because i know there were certainly some shortcomings in my career where i knew that you know there's a couple events that got away from me and mentally i could have you know probably done better if, a few occasions but you know i, I kind of let that go it was was one of those nights where i think hang on I, I did enough you know i didn't have to sort of say okay well you know there's kind of a, a, a day where I, I think if you ask any athlete they always say there's there's always a couple of regrets here and there but at that night i thought you know it's great to be recognized for what i've done without any what ifs you know which was which was amazing
0: you you're very well known as one of the best relay swimmers ever in swimming so I know that a lot of people rate you at that. But aside from that, you know, the people that I've spoken to around Melbourne that know you and I've I've uh, checked this out a little bit, also just what's such a <laughs> lovely, you know, you're a lovely, a lovely guy, a nice guy, a very kind guy. I had Ryan Pinney on the podcast last week and he was telling me
1: uh. He's a crazy. He's, he's the he's other. He's a lovely right, guy. guy.
0: He's, yeah. he's probably the, he's the ultimate. He's a nice lovely guy, guy but he, he said to me that before the gold medal um that he won in Melbourne at the Commonwealth Games before the hundred fly that, that you said to him yeah, and I mean yeah. you were you had your own race and you turned around kindly and said to him take it all in you know this is this is the moment that you're here for and I mean I th- I think that that sort of epitomizes you and what everyone says about you because you were thinking about someone else at that time when you were about to swim your own race so that's an amazing
1: yeah I wish I didn't yeah I wish I didn't give him that pep talk because I got second to him so uh, I should have worried about myself a little bit but uh, yeah well, no he was you know Ryan has been I think it's you know he he epitomizes swimming in a sense because he swam for such a long time and he you know he he loved it and he kept on grinding out and he like and I was so happy for him and even though that I got second and we you know we um you know he beat Adam Pine as well so he, he really came to fruit like his dreams did come to fruition you know like and he, that the saying that nice guys never you know always finish last is, is certainly <laughs> certainly rubbish so he um yeah, he's, and he's always been also a great, you know, great, great friend. And we've always chatted in, in the call room. And for me, I'd like to, you know, have a normal conversation. So they're pretty relaxed and casual. And every time I sort of got myself too wound up and too, you know, eager to go, I sort of, I used to, it didn't really work for me. And I knew that Ryan was pretty relaxed as well. So I could always have a, have a chat with him. So, um, yeah, I think we'll you know and we still chat which is you know the great thing is even though the the social media world wasn't didn't exist when we were swimming it certainly um has enabled us to connect and you know i've been able to connect with some of my childhood idols like martin lopez Biro, who's who's one of these guys that you know i used to follow i thought he was the coolest cat you know in the pool and um and then then the next day i'm chatting to him on, on instagram and then you know, like it's even Anthony Nesty, who's, you know, I remember that race and I remember the Matt beyond the glide. And I remember, you know, him coming over the top and it was just uh, yes. And then now I'm chatting to these guys. So it's kind of really. And that was the other thing that was surreal. Like I knew uh, when I went to Florida, like all these great names, the legends of the sport were in the room. I was kind of just, just, you know, like casting my eye across the room, knowing pretty much everyone that was there. So it was kind of a, it was like a live, live museum, you know? (laughs) So it it was amazing.
0: Well, I mean, that's, you, you, You're a very humble guy because i think a lot of people think that way about you because you're a very you're such an inspiration to so many current swimmers master swimmers weekend warriors tri swimmers ocean swimmers and now to a, a much broader group in the community as sort of someone who's come out and spoken about your battle with cidp do you want to just talk to us a little bit about that
1: yeah absolutely look it's been um no denying it's been a very tough three years, um, obviously being diagnosed just at the beginning of COVID. So, um, my health de- degraded really quickly. I was carrying some injuries from the past of a bad ankle and some degenerative discs and things like that in my back and just living with chronic pain. And we not sure if that's what tipped me over the edge, uh, but, um as i was rehabbing my my left ankle i noticed that in this is in late in 2019 i i was trying to do calf raises as you do to get your to calf muscles strong to get your ankle strong but uh, funny enough my opposite ankle i couldn't actually do a calf raise at all so within a few weeks i you know i started losing functionality of my my legs and i couldn't i really struggled to walk my balance was shot and um, and yeah, it, 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 and it came so quickly. I was literally reliant on either one of my kids to hang on to, which <laughs> grabbing them by the neck or, um, or the walking stick, which is, you know, not for, and, and normally not too far away from me these days. So, um, and yeah, my, in like within the space of six months, my lifestyle changed. So, you know, I used to surf, I used to cross fear, but I used to do, try and do adventure races and. You know, just I, I think that gave me, in, in, as you said before, I think that that gave me a lot of my physical prowess, gave me a lot of mental strength and suddenly within that short period I got taken away. Um, so, yeah, I think it is, it, it, you know, as as we spoke before, it took me around two years to overcome the acceptance of my new, of the new norm, um, the acceptance of the new lifestyle and um, and then probably finding the right mindset moving forward, because I, you know, I, I, don't think I'll ever be able to do what I was doing, let's say five years ago physically, but, you know, I can still do a hell of a lot with what I, I still have remaining and, um, and which, which is, you know, your segue, which has led me back to, to the sport and back to swimming. So, and I'm actually so, so grateful because when I teach kids, when I actually when I first when we first started the Bali uh, the 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 swim, uh, swim school I should say I remember on my on the first day there was you know the first pre-squad group one of the kids says what's on your leg why do you walk funny and then so <laughs> and then I, so I just told everyone on the first day and no one ever asked me again and kids don't care, kids don't you know? care. I just became yeah <laughs> I just became coach you know so it was sort of um and yeah so it was and i wasn't able to continue the lifestyle of my professional lifestyle which was commuting back and forth as much and you know i was in retail with the skincare business and i needed to make some choices on what you know from for longevity of my health and also for me to be present and productive within within the business that we're creating in bali but also you know, for my partner, my family, and my kids, I needed to make some changes, and yeah, so we've started sort of, you know, obviously growing our little clemson business here. But then, you know, the opportunity started arising to get involved back with some in Victoria, which I've really enjoyed, and and the juniors there, and also Fairbank Grammar School, and working with you know the the pre-squad and the squad groups there. So it's, you know, inadvertently I've ended up where it's where it all began, and then you know our world series swims um uh no, our swims, open water swim series it's also going from strength to strength which is something that i was just before we chatted i was looking at a video from about six years ago and you know we were very happy to get a few hundred swimmers and this year we're going to get around two and a half thousand swimmers this weekend so um Yeah. And it's, you know, I'm very happy and very comfortable being in this environment, obviously talking to you about and sharing names that we're all familiar with. But then, um, you know, I think there's the commonality within the swimming circles of the people with what's what's, passionate in their lives and what they want out of the sport. I think it's, um, yeah, it's been really kind of um, leveling for me. So yeah, there's no doubt it's been a challenging time. And it, it it was probably about a year ago that I, made a very conscious decision to <laughs> to change a lot of things to make sure that I was I were around for a long time but um prior to that it was it was a bit of a tough slog but now we you know I was inundated like, to be honest there was I would say I still have hundreds and hundreds of messages in my inbox of fellow sufferers and carers and um or just you know people supporters saying you know how how great it is to to see me you know getting on with life with what i've got and but also with sufferers when you know it's that no one's really spoken about CIDP and gbs which is a you know autoimmune autoimmune neuropathy which is relative i know it's rare but it's more common than people think and even this morning I, i i got this email from a gentleman that actually broke my heart you know he he said that his wife got um crdp and over time she ended up you know losing her mobility she was a lollipop lady and and then one day she had to sit down because she was so fatigued and her supervisor saw her sitting down and fired her because of that and then she developed she developed ms as well as crdp so and then he uh, this gentleman also at the same time started getting sick and saying and neurological symptoms as she did so you know currently they're both suffering from the same disorder that i do so you know like there's always you know other people that have you know and i I don't want to bring it down to this podcast but it puts things in perspective you know and and the fact that people have feel comfortable enough to write these things to me it's sort of uh, given me sort of the the confidence to create a foundation and um and and create a platform or community where people can actually you know share their their stories or or just open up if they have to or have you know support um sometimes for if it's financial or services or whatever it might be so that's my next kind of little project that we're um will be launching sort of later in, in in the year, but the foundation is something that i myself and my partner Michelle have been. Um, working on not not so quietly in the background. I'm supposed to keep it quiet, but it's very hard when it's consuming your entire life. Know, okay. So, <laughs> so um, yeah. So it's yeah. It's been a, it's been a pretty interesting last few months as well.
0: <laughs> will, will that be a worldwide foundation, or or mainly centred in Australia and Bali?
1: Look, at, in, uh, well, we haven't really ge- geographically. We haven't sort of restricted it at all. Right. So, I mean, obviously, there are predominantly we'll focus on on supporting the australian sort of sufferers because we can we know the ndis pro system and you know the government support and from med from the medical standpoint but you know our biggest dream eventually is to run our own medical trials and find try and get closer to, to a cure to you know for a lot of these neuropathies not just not just this one um and there, there is a there's a couple there's a couple sort of studies going at the moment that are quite positive in terms of treatment but nothing nothing in terms of a cure so hopefully if there's more of these kind of movements and foundations we can get it's very similar to mnd you know there's been some great um you know breakthroughs in in studies and trials and you know so trying to reverse some of this, you know some of the symptoms in, in that disorder so um hopefully we can be an example with CRDP as well
0: and is there anything you've found that you can do in your day-to-day life that that helps does swimming swimming yourself now help a lot
1: yeah yeah it's actually they say you, you, because you know there the signal the the neural signal to your extremities your hands and, and feet predominantly for me it's my feet is compromised so the more you move and the more you stimulate that the you know the better so for me I try and as hard as it is is sometimes because you're affected with fatigue and your functionality is compromised but they you know the 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 doctors and therapists really encourage movement so movement is medicine for me so you know I try and do it without sort of fail and that's kind of one of my non-negotiables so you know, I either do a dry land session one day and swim the next, dry land swim, dry land swim. So I'd probably give myself a Sunday off. But it's, but it's all very kind of measured because if I go too hard, then I'm, you know, I'm kind of uh, wiped out for the couple couple of days. And someone has to teach the kids down the road. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's a, uh, so it's yeah, it's been a, it's been a learning curve in terms of how to manage myself as well. With, you know, trying to obviously, you know, keep up my responsibilities.
0: And i know you mentioned the world swim series and there's yep. you've got sort of six swims under that umbrella at the moment are there plans to expand that further
1: yeah i think not only just expanding adding more events i think if, if anything actually expanding the events themselves so i think we're potentially there, there's an opportunity to add and an, definitely another one on in in caloundra um the, the sunshine coast seems to be thriving and there's so many keen swimmers up there but uh, uh the Gold Coast Swim Week, which will be our first swim week, which is the last week in April, we'll have the Cooley Classic, which is always a very, very popular swim from Kira all the way to the Cooley Surf Club. And you're kind of swimming with the swell behind you. So, it, it, you know, even though when you're getting tired, you still got that push to, <laughs> pushing you in the right direction. It's sort of like the Portsy Swim. You're yeah. swimming with a current. <laughs> and then, um, and then, <laughs> and then, uh, the, the bit of false hope, and then um, and then we follow the next weekend with our with our Gold Coast assume the Gold Coast, which will be a you know inaugural, uh, marathon soon. We've had a couple of tries at it. Unfortunately, COVID pre- prevented one, and weather last year with eight foot swell prevented it running uh, last year. This year we've got a bit of a window, so um, yeah. So I think expanding the events like that, um, you know, adding clinics, and we've got guided zooms by a bunch of you know a bunch of experts sam shepherd's actually going to be um doing some open water clinics and um you know we've got yeah phil clayton is doing some open water sort of uh group swims guided swims around that time and also up in noosa actually this saturday so um yeah i think expanding it more rather than just being just the swim itself more of a more of a carnival really
0: yeah I love that idea because if you you know from interstate if you're going up to do the noosa classic it'd be nice to have a clinic or two you know a few days mm. before and get some you know good yeah. good advice from someone like Sam Sam Shepherd or whoever might be up there
1: yeah yeah uh, this this year will be uh, yeah this year we've got Susie O'Neill who's uh you know Madam Butterfly who's probably still as fit as she's ever been and so She's, we've got a we've got a celebration of our, of our tenth tenth swim. So Susie Andrew Lauderstein and one of my best mates he's, uh, he'll be up there again. You know, was a competitive CrossFitter. I think I saw him swim twenty three point the other day. He's still super fast. Um, and then we've got Ali Day, who's you know the the Ironman champion from a couple of years back. So we've got a bit of a panel and a celebration of our tenth 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 running. Of the event and yeah i look forward to seeing those guys i'll be watching from the beach this time i've got actually um steve pullen who's an ex um ex-ironman who's also got cidp where um we potentially might just do the 2k in in our own pace and um, might help each other out the water to the end so um but yeah it should be a great weekend this weekend
0: i mean it's just stunning swimming in noosa absolutely beautiful location to have it isn't
1: it yeah. yeah and the forecast actually yeah the forecast this weekend we've just just came through and we're very excited it's, and for surface not so great but it's dead flat and there'll be no wind so Perfect. it's uh, it will be like a lake yeah. it's like a lake so we're um, yeah we're really looking forward to it
0: <laughs> and with your Klim swim school that you've got going in bali now do you um do that at a public pool or do you lease a local pool to do your squads how do you sort of set that up
1: yeah so we, we yeah we work with a um a recreation club called fins here so we we work with, within their facility but we also go to a, a, a number of um it's, i guess international schools so the Austra- australian independent school is probably our second biggest school and we use their 25 meter six lane pool which is fantastic They've got great anti-lane ropes, anti-blocks, and it's a, it's you know very high quality. Um, and we've got some great support from AIS, um, not the Australian Institute of Sport, but the Australian Independent School. Yeah. But something that's been really working well, and then hopefully to you know some of the the listeners would might want to be interested in It's We've recently started running a bunch of camps, or it's it's almost it's an ongoing camp we're in the holidays we conduct them uh, like a, a kind of a workshop style sessions where we start with dry land um we do a, a pretty you know chunky session and we finish with a bit of a workshop or or a, a talk either by myself or one of my my team so we've got a nutritionist and a and a, and a trainer etc so um you can get a, a three three five day package or a week and we've last you know we had a bunch of swimmers from the Melbourne swimming club come along we've had a, you know my my nephews have been coming as well so it's uh we've got a lot of swimmers that come from singapore for a week or two and and it's um, yeah we found it's been really beneficial where um you know some people have really clear goals what they want to achieve and some want a change of environment and Parents love it because they get to holiday and the kids get to train. So it's been really, uh, it's a, you know, killing killing two birds with one stone. And we've also got our second um, Clemson Invitational on July first and second. So last year we had close to 500 swimmers, and uh, and because they don't race short course very much here in Indonesia, it was very well received. So um, for any any Aussies wanting to holiday and compete or have a camp and, and have a race at the same time. July is the time. Yeah,
0: that sounds nice. Yeah. Hopefully <laughs> you'll have a few takers. That'll be that'd be really good. I always ask everyone that comes on the podcast to um, sort of their favourite deep dive five questions a little bit about swimming. So maybe the first thing that pops into your mind, your favourite pool that you've ever swum in.
1: Oh, it's easy. I'd have to say the Challenge Stadium in Perth. <laughs>
0: excellent (laughs) yeah that's a lovely it's a lovely complex Yeah. yeah favorite open water swim location
1: well i would say when noosa is the way it's going to be this weekend it's it's almost unbeatable but i have had the i've had had the pleasure to swim to do a few ocean swims around capri in italy and the water there is Stunning, <laughs> because there is no, uh, obviously the sand doesn't get sort of uh, willed up at all. So the clarity, um, and swimming around some of those caves, it was very, very memorable. Um, so yeah. Um, Italy was, was also, it was, was also memorable.
0: <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. I've got some friends doing the Capri Napoli swim later in. The okay. There you yeah. Go. It sounds like a, <laughs> a nice one. Yeah. <laughs> favorite butterfly butterfly drill
1: mm, that's a good one I did a lot of freestyle kick butterfly just to work on on really flat body positioning um I think I still you know still very I had a really good sort of uh, when when it comes to my thoracic flexibility so I could get my hips up and at times if anything too much so Working on straight, up, uh, you know, freestyle kick butterfly. Sometimes with your head up as well, helped me to sort of, you know, flatten out my butterfly. Which, you know, obviously ended up being, you know, the butterfly of the future. If you look at, you know, Phelps and Dressel and Schooling and those guys that, you know, pushed pushed the envelope in that event. It just became a lot flatter than what it was. let say the likes of Gross and Biondi and Scott Miller and those sort of guys where. know I think we're in between the two different strokes in my era um so uh, I think now it's become almost a very flat butterfly
0: and how about your favorite freestyle drill
1: Uh, oh well this was this is the drill that changed my 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 career really it'd be dolphin kick freestyle it's dolphin kick freestyle with either with your head up or or um you know head down but it was because of that drill that i ended up use, implementing that into races and and with the, with the suits having a really good strong core um that was uh yeah and it's a sprint drill which we only use for 15 20 meters but i was able to maintain that speed throughout the whole say 25 meters and then i pushed it out to 50 and i was able to push 24 seconds or so so i, I thought it was had some merit to to implement it into my races
0: yeah, it worked really well for you. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's it.
1: My legs were shocking, so that it, it sort of saved my legs a little bit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you're not a kicker?
1: No, not really. I wasn't butterfly, but not in freestyle. So it was. I didn't mm. have that that powerful, you know, the output motor that Thorpey and some of the other guys like Haki had as well. Alex was phenomenal. I remember alex kicking 28 seconds regularly with the board so it's and same with Torpy. so um it's certainly very beneficial to have it's not really obviously it's propulsive but it's it helps you to get through the lag on that stroke where the you know the speed that dip a fraction and when you're kicking at 28 seconds that dip becomes almost non-existent so yeah (laughs) i'm getting technical now
0: No, I I love, I love technical, more technical, that's better. (laughs) What's your favorite um, all-time training set?
1: You know what, Gennady wasn't really one to sort of, um, to kind of, you know, break my spirit or, you know, get me to a level where I'm, you know, incoherent by the pool or anything like that. Everything was almost very measured and we were doing like, you know, lactate testing and things like that. So I would really look forward to doing our, you know our 10 step test and that was sort of like you know if i was on song with that um and then even our 650s butterfly on two minutes and I, if i was able to hit my back end speed for the 650s um and then you know obviously doing a, a good you know the step test you know i knew that i was on song so as there was a couple um really measurable tests that i did that would translate well into my 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 races
0: what what was the step test time on? What were the ten one hundreds on?
1: So they they change. So they, you do four at let's say they're probably be on one forty with heart rate around one twenty or so. Then you then you, you push the rest. Then you do three on about two minutes, and you, your heart rate's about one sixty or so. Um, so that would it would drop to it, when with a heart rate one sixty at threshold. So like let's say one hundred two, one hundred three for me. Um then two one hundreds at MVO two. So I was when in good shape I could you know, could get close to fifty five and then um that was on about two and a half minutes and then the a hundred max, you know, in my good in, in you know in, in good form I could push a fifty one or a fifty point occasionally. But um with Gennady timing was fifty point, a standard timing fifty one. But I mean it was very, very <laughs> generous. But um, yeah, so we um yeah that was you know that was one of our our sort of go to tests
0: test, test yeah. sets. That sounds great. Michael, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It's just been an absolute delight chatting to you and giving giving you every sort of best wish with your health heading forward.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. No, I think yeah, send all the good vibes my way. We will, <laughs> we <it>. will. <laughs> but no uh, uh, it's been uh, I've been inundated and as I said, the swimming community, especially the boys from two thousand. You know, everyone's got behind me, so I, I um, I certainly don't feel alone in this. So, um, yeah, I'll keep keep you guys updated how things are going on on my socials. But um, at the moment, feeling pretty good, and you know, so if you if you want to come and chat to me, then come to Bali or come to one of the World Series swims events, and um, yeah, happy to uh happy to chat chat to me anytime. <laughs> yeah,
0: fantastic. Take care, Michael.
1: No worries. Okay. Thanks for having me. <laughs>
0: A genuinely humble person humbles himself even before those who should be humbled by his presence. And I think this encapsulates my chat with Michael today. I'm so glad he's decided to come back to swimming and start to be involved again because we're all richer for that knowledge and experience that he brings to swimming. And it's just a joy. It was a joy just speaking to him. I hope you all enjoyed that chat as much as I did. I'll put the links to Michael's website and Klim Swim and World Series Swim in the show notes. So if you want to look more into those, you can. Also, can I ask you all a favor? If you're here now and you're at the end of the program, I know that you are someone that listens and hopefully enjoys the podcast. Whatever platform you listen on, could you give us a star rating? Five would be great, but whatever you think we deserve, because it really helps other swimmers find the podcast as they're searching through their different platforms looking for the swimming podcast and we aim to bring swimming to you in its purest form speaking about all the things that we love and hearing from different champions around the world so I'd love it if you give us a five-star rating that'd be awesome thank you till next time happy swimming and bye for now